Welcome in everybody to sectional semifinal week here, week 11 officially of the high school football season and it falls here, I guess. It uh, fall came in like a like a lion pretty much. We we really had no early fall whatsoever. It was summer to middle of fall. It's rainy, it's cold. Everybody's out trick or treating in the rainish wind. Hopefully there's no snowflakes out there, but uh it is football season. It is football weather, and we got a lot to talk about over the next hour here on the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet. We're going to start it off here in just a couple seconds with Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net, as we do each and every week. We'll follow that up with Coach Pete Kempf, DeKalb Barons. they got a big one coming up at Undefeated East Noble in Kendallville on Friday a rematch of an NE8 regular season game. We'll talk to Coach Kemp about that one. Bottom of the hour, Doug Dynan, Carroll Chargers. And, and speaking of rematches, Carroll came within a point of tying Snyder late in the fourth quarter earlier this season. A blocked PAT was the difference. And we'll talk to Coach Dynan about uh, putting that game behind him, but also learning from that game and what they can take into Friday's matchup with the Panthers at Spooler Stadium. And then we'll wrap it up 645 with Coach Josh Gerber of the Norwell Knights. His team with a big game coming up on the road at Concordia, battle of five and five teams in the 3A sectional uh, in the area. We'll talk to Coach Gerber about that matchup and how his team's been playing over the last couple weeks. But a uh, lot to talk about over the next hour or so. But we're going to kick it off as we do each and every week here on the ESPN High School Coaches Show with our friend Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net. Dan, what's going on? Oh, not much, man. How are you doing? Oh, we're just doing great here. You know, it's uh, it's great weather for football, right? I mean, I guess it, to play football in, to be on the sidelines and watch or in the stands, I, I disagree. I don't really want to sit in the cold in the rain. But. <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. You're, you're once again counting down the days till basketball where there's uh, never, uh, you know, battling snow or rain or wind of any kind on a basketball court. That, that's true. Uh, the, the days are few, actually. Girls basketball kicking off next Monday. So it's, it's basketball season. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, hey, still plenty of football to talk about over the next month yeah. or thereabouts heading into uh, the Thanksgiving holiday in the last week of November. We're kind of going deeper, almost completely through the month of November due to Thanksgiving being so late this year. But, uh, Dan, before we get into this week's schedule, let's look back really quick. And we broke down each of these sectionals in detail last week. But anything jump out at you in what happened on the field last Friday to open the postseason? I don't think there was anything spectacular that happened that really jumped out. Um, you know, there was games where we weren't real sure in some uh, how they would go. Uh, Eastside Woodland was one we talked a lot about. Uh, we knew that Concordia was going to have an interesting matchup on their end. I think probably the biggest upset in the area is to see Bluffton fall. Uh, to Fairfield, and, and kudos to the Falcons for, for getting a big win there and kind of take some intrigue out of a sectional final uh, down in 2A. kind of makes it look like Lures and Eastside is the de facto championship game this week, but I don't think there was anything that was uh, too surprising anywhere that we saw. 
Yeah, I talked to uh, Coach Brent Kunkel on Wednesday, and he said, you know, he's still kind of dealing with that loss uh, for Bluffton last week against Fairfield because it was something that even he didn't see uh, come out. It came out of nowhere, and it really wasn't even close on the field, the 27-7 to loss for the Tigers. But, uh, Dan, let's start with the sectionals that are kicking off this week. 5A, 6A uh, in the area took the week off last week due to the smaller fields in those classes. Let's look at sectional three, and we'll start with the rematch. Carroll at Snyder. Well, Carroll versus Snyder at Spooler Stadium. The exact same locale as we saw these two teams play earlier in the season. And it it was a a challenging matchup for both teams the first time around. It was in Week 2. It was one where we saw Jeffrey Becker come out and play like a primetime quarterback as a sophomore in his first big test with the Chargers. But Snyder answered the bell. They had a huge special teams play late. It seems like it's a recurring thing with the Panthers that they make a big play in special teams. It was the blocked extra point that prevented Carroll from tying it in the fourth quarter. Um I look back last year when Carroll handled Snyder in the regular season, and we thought when they matched up again in the postseason, could Snyder find anything? And instead they go out and beat Carroll by 19 points last year and drop 49 on him. So can we look at this game similarly and say, man, Carroll was there in the regular season, but does Snyder change some things to distance themselves from the Chargers, or should we expect another close game on Friday? I'm torn on that one because I really think that these two teams are pretty evenly matched. I think they're as evenly matched as we saw uh, when they played in Week 2. But at the same time, I do think Snyder is very good, and Coach Kurt Tittman has been very good over the years. When he's gotten rematches to prepare his team for that second go-around better, uh, and they're always stronger in the postseason, and we've seen that time and time again. So I think that on paper they're very close teams. I think on the field they're very close teams, but you throw in the intangibles of what Snyder is able to do in the postseason, and I got this feeling that uh, that Snyder has put some things into the process, and that they may be able to win this one a little more handily. Before Homestead will get that rematch against either Carroll or Snyder, they need to go down to Noblesville and play the Millers. Now they're one and eight, but you look at the one victory that Noblesville has was over a Franklin Central team that beat Hamilton Southeastern. This year, one of the better teams in Class 6A. Noblesville plays all 6A teams except Cathedral, which for all intents and purposes is a 6A program. And uh, they're battle-tested. They're not great. The record's not great. But they also played some really great teams. So what to expect when Homestead goes uh, to Central Indiana on Friday night? Yeah, I think that obviously we're going to look at Homestead as a heavy favorite there. But you're right. Noblesville has got some good games under their belt and a good win under their belt. They're strong defensively a lot of ways, and that's going to be the interesting matchup here is because Homestead is so strong on offense. Uh, and Noblesville's biggest strengths come on the defensive end, so they're going to have to stop the run game, uh, likely seeing Ryan Burton run the ball uh, again for, for Homestead. and It's going to be a challenge for Noblesville. They have some ability, but I think at this point Homestead is just too strong, and I think Homestead is uh, kind of that team of destiny, at least in this segment of the postseason in the sectional round, and they want to get to that sectional championship game just as bad as they wanted to win the FAC title. And we saw what happened when they put their uh, their hearts and their heads into winning an FAC title. 
Moving on to Class 5A, Sectional 11, you have Northrop and Goshen, a one-win Goshen team. feel like Northrop uh, will be able to win there. Uh, let's talk Bishop DeWinger and Northside. And uh, you know, this first time around with this game uh, was Week 2 also. And DeWinger kind of struggled out of the gate first game at home at Shields Field and uh, eventually got it going in the second quarter and into the into the second half. Northside laid an egg Week 9. Do they have any chance of hanging around with the Saints on Friday? Well, I think it's interesting because Bishop Dwinger didn't exactly play their best football Week 9 either. Yeah. So you have two teams that need to bounce back from struggles in Week 9. Obviously, Dwinger ended up getting the win. Uh, and Northside played pretty bad football Week 9. Uh, so they had to make a lot of changes. The intangible, we talked about it all year, is the first time these two teams played, there was no Deuce Taylor involved. Uh, and what can he do? Because Bishop Dwinger is going to throw everything at Deuce Taylor. They're going to send guys and packages at him all night long. He's very good at getting out of those packages. His receivers are going to have to haul in passes, and it's something Northside struggled with at times this year uh, is catching the football. I think it's an interesting matchup because if you look at their first meeting, the first half was actually relatively close. It was opening night at Shields Field, uh, and the first half was surprisingly close in that one. So it's an interesting one. Obviously, I think that the Dwingers got a little bit more than Northside overall. But I think this could be one that uh, Northside could hang around with and, and make this a fun game for a half or three quarters. And if you can make it a fun game for three quarters and a close game for three quarters, it does kind of throw some things out the window going into a fourth quarter. Dan, before we move into 4A, I wanted to ask you real quick about Deuce Taylor. The All-SAC team came out yesterday, and Deuce Taylor was honorable mention for Northside. Now, I had to sit out four games, three due to chance for rules, one with an injury. So only started five games for North, but do you feel like he was undervalued, or do you feel because of the games he missed, honorable mention is a good spot for him? I think that's fair, especially when you look at some of the guys that were in front of him. Obviously, Luke Goody, first team, uh, and John Barnes, Jr., second team as quarterbacks. I think they're clearly, to me, the two best quarterbacks in this conference. But Deuce was very impressive, and, and getting to see him, even in Week 9, even when Northside had their struggles, the way he's able to move around, the reads he's able to make, uh, he's a very talented quarterback. I think that uh, I would have been more disappointed if they left him off the team uh, because he missed so many games. Uh, missing almost half the season, but I think it's right where where, where he uh, I would expect him to fit in based on the time that he was able to play. Dan, looking at sectional twenty in Class Four A, Huntington North and Mississinawa. Mississinawa looked impressive last week, holding Delta to seven points. But let's talk Marion and New Haven. Marion took care of business against Wayne. They go to New Haven this Friday, and I just got a funny feeling that New Haven matches up really well against Marion in terms of the skill position players. If they can get a push up front on both sides of the football. Uh, this could be a game that New Haven could take at home against an eight and two Giants team. Yeah, I think that people are kind of underrating New Haven, and we talked about that before. Part of that is because of their record, because they played such a strong uh, group in the beginning of the season, so their record is a little bit deceiving based on the talent they have. If you can get another breakout week from Jakar Williams like they got last week, their quarterback, just coming off a fantastic week, threw for 220 yards last week, uh, ran for 110 yards. If he can be as mobile I think that makes New Haven very dangerous because we know they have other weapons on the ground. We know they have other weapons in the air, uh, like Jamar Hutchins. So if, if he's able to do that again, then I think New Haven could be a team that could pull off an upset here. And, and I think Marion, hopefully for them, for their sake, is not looking past New Haven. 
The other 4A section on the area, sectional 19, and on paper it looks like a couple really good matchups, East Noble to Cowb, Northwood, and Leo. Um, is there any possibility that we have a, a, um, a final not East Noble-Leo in this one? I think there's a possibility for that. Um, I'm obviously, we're going to lean the way of East Noble uh, on their end of the thing. Uh, obviously, DeKalb plays a very good season, but when they played them the first time around, they didn't leave a lot of confidence that they were going to be able to beat them uh, a second time around. So I think East Noble's definitely a favorite. Northwood's an interesting one. It's 7-3. and three. They've had a good season uh, and are able to play with some teams uh, pretty well. So I think they have a chance that they could really give Leo an issue when you look at their losses, um, not bad losses, uh, loss to Concord by 10, a 5A school, a loss to Warsaw, a 6A school, uh, and they have some good wins along the way. So I wouldn't throw uh, Northwood right out the window yet, but I think Leo is just getting better every week. Uh, and I think that last week opened them up a little bit to realizing that other teams are getting better too. You know, they play in goal last week. It's a close game after blowing them out in week two. So I think that that was a good wake-up call for Leo to realize, hey, we may be better, but all these teams are getting better around us. He is Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net joining us here on the ESPN Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet, moving along, going to Class 3A. And uh, in Sectional 26, you look at Mishawaka, Marion, and West Noble. We've heard a lot about West Noble. Very impressive. Uh, undefeated, 10-0, and yet they haven't played the quality of opponent that Mishawaka Marion's playing. They play South Bend teams. They went to Jimtown. They played and beat Culver. Their one losses to Mishawaka, a very good team with Keith Kinder as head coach. I mean, is this an even game? Because I, a lot of people say West Noble, 10-0, and they can make a run. But I, I, I think that this is the biggest challenge so far for West Noble. And to be honest, it's really not even close in terms of the caliber of opponents they've played. Yeah, I think that Mishawaka Marion presents a, a very tough challenge. And when you look at that, you look at the fact that this nice team has four guys uh, over 200 yards rushing this year, so they have a lot of weapons on the ground. Uh, a lot of guys they can go to. Malcolm Anderson leading the way for them is, is a really strong running back. I think they just have a lot of weapons. you got all those guys that can run. Their quarterback is thrown for 1,100 yards this year. So I think they have a lot of unique weapons, like you said, that – West Noble hasn't had to deal with him. We've talked about that before. We know they were NECC good uh, and NECC great this year, but are they great outside the area? And this is a big test for them. If they can get a win against Mishawaka Marion, then I think it's clear that we anoint West Noble as a big deal. Um, it's, it's just a question. It's, it's, we don't know until we get the answer, and we're going to get an answer on Friday night one way or another. The other sectional in Class 3A, this is the, one of the semifinals, is Norwell at Concordia. I, I've seen Norwell play recently. I saw them go to DeKalb and play tough. They handled their business at, against Huntington North, lost to Columbia City. I guess the question is, can Norwell get enough defensive stops with that D uh, to knock off Concordia at Zollner in one of these semifinals in sectional 27? That's going to be a tough challenge for them because Concordia has been able to show that they've got weapons in last week. They were very successful airing the ball out. Some great connections between Brandon Davis and Jaron Kindig. Uh, obviously, you have Tyler Grossman. Jalen Vanderbosch had a fantastic week last week on both sides of the football. And there's those great weapons. And for them, I think a lot of it, and we have to talk at this time of the year with the weather the way it is outside right now, what is Zollner going to be like on Friday night? And Norwell, not that they don't play on natural grass, but 
not many teams get to play on natural mud. And that's what you're probably going to get at Zollner. And Concordia's more used to that field. Uh, it's a rough field. It's a patchy field. And this is a game where home field advantage could, uh, could really play a role. Dan, Class 2A, Sectional 35, Lures at 3-7 and seven at Eastside 8-2. and two. You saw Eastside play last week when they shut out Woodland 21 to nothing. So despite the Blazers having eight wins, a lot of people already writing in Bishop Lures to get to the final of the sectional, move on to the regional. But what should we expect with the Eastside Blazers and the Bishop Lures Knights on Friday? I think it's going to be a very good game, and there's a reason why I've picked this as my favorite sectional because I think it's so even across the board, despite the fact you look at the records and Eastside at 8-2 and two is the only team with a above 500 record left in this field. I think we're going to see a really athletic battle. Eastside impressed me on Friday night, and Laban Davis throws a very good football. The one thing the Blazers have to do is they have to attack early, and we've seen that throughout the year, the, the struggle to jump up early, and then they kind of have to take control in the second half of games and we saw it last friday night zero zero at halftime um and then it looked like a completely different game in the second half some of that was woodland's woes but a lot of that was what he said was able to do well and and move the ball on the ground and move the ball through the air uh and take those little chunks 12 15 yard chunks out of woodland and keep the opposing defense on the field and once they were able to do that last friday they were able to slow things down they were able to tire woodland out and it's a similar approach they're going to take. I, I think it's a very fun game to watch. Dan, real quick, in Class 1A, you have South Adams playing in a semifinal in Sectional 43 at home against Monroe Central, a team that the Starfires already beat by 19 in the regular season. And then you have Adams Central at 9-1 and in Sectional 44 hosting North Miami. Any possibility that either of those teams gets clipped, or do we expect them to be playing for sectional titles next week? I expect them both to be playing for sectional titles. I think Monroe Central could present some interesting obstacles for South Adams, but I think that they're uh, on the right pace right now, but I don't think that uh, they're, the chance of them getting clipped is pretty slim. Dan, real quick, before we let you go, what's new at OutsideTheHuddle.net? Obviously, we have our breakdowns for Class 6A and 5A and sectionals. Uh, just released the uh, all-NECC and all-SAC teams the last couple of days, so we have a list of those. Uh, and then we're really just kind of turned into the basketball season. We're in the middle of our countdown of our top 10 girls teams and then the, uh, the start of the season next week and in the midst of our, our top 50s for boys. So uh, all that stuff going on and heavy into our basketball previews, but then obviously heavy into previewing sectionals with our, our picks and our game of the week uh, and everything that uh, you see on the normal days, on Thursdays and Fridays on the website. All right, boss. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it. That was Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net joining us on the Halloween edition of the ESPN Coaches Show presented by Crumback Chevrolet. We are going to take a break when we come back. Coach Pete Kempf of the DeKalb Barons will join us. You are listening to the ESPN Coaches Show presented by Crumback Chevrolet on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to a holiday edition of the ESPN Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet. Happy Halloween to everybody. Probably driving around, taking their kids door-to-door um, since it's windy and nasty and rainy and cold and hopefully uh, no snowflakes out there. But uh, I'm Justin Kenny here with Caleb Hatch in the studio with me. Uh, D.C. Hendricks out. Caleb Hatch in temporarily, unless he does a lot better job in D.C. Then we may just, uh, you know, consider keep him on long term. But uh, thanks to Dan Vance before the break for joining us, breaking down uh, the complete 
sectional schedule coming up on Friday night. One of those games, you could say premier games in the area coming up in sectional semifinal week is a rematch with DeKalb at 8-2, going to undefeated East Noble at 10-0. It'll be a kickoff at 7 o'clock on Friday in Kendallville. And the head coach of the DeKalb Barons is Pete Kemp. He joins us on the line right now. How are you doing, Coach? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know, it's always a pleasure, especially when you actually pick the phone up. <laughs> I know. The first day, I'm going to blame that on the school because you don't get reception in here. So I'm oh. standing by a window freezing my, my uh, buttons off here. But you know what? For you, I'm willing to do it. Oh, shucks. I appreciate it, sir. But, uh, hey, uh, we're, we're, we're talking football with the Cal Barons entering November. So it's a, it's a good thing, right? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, been a long time. Let's look back first before we look forward, because I think the uh, home matchup with Columbia City last week was one of those intriguing matchups, considering how close the first game was between you two. It was 14-14 to at one point, then you guys end up winning 29-14. to uh, Take us through that one. You know, Columbia City and uh, our last two games obviously have come down to a game of inches. Um, you know, the, the rivalry between Columbia City and DeKalb goes back a long time, even back to when it was Auburn High School. And I think in the ten times they've played in the last uh, in the last since like 1985 or four, uh, Columbia City and DeKalb have played each other in sectionals. I think four times DeKalb was ranked and Columbia City knocked them out, and I think vice versa. Um, you know, it's you know we always talk about geographic rivals and you know like Garrett and Eastside and that stuff, but you know really like a lot of times like when we honor the '94 team, they come back. It's not hey, did you beat Garrett? Did you beat you know? Uh, and goal. It's did you beat Columbia City? Uh, the hatred between the schools goes back a long way. You know, you know when I was coming up, or when Hummer was there, and or Cook and Fricky were locked in those tight battles for years. And you know, it's 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 always a close game, no matter where it is uh, between DeKalb and Columbia City. And it's a it's a time honored and respectful you know rivalry in the conference. And it's always going to be tough. And uh, you know, I thought we played a great four quarters. It's probably the best four quarters we played all year. Um, and kudos to Columbia City. They they played a great game, and uh, we were fortunate enough to come away with this one with a win. Coach, when and you get too interesting. <laughs> oh no, you're good. So I mean, let's look back because the last two quote unquote kind of big games you had at home, uh, you know, East Noble comes in and they win by 28. I don't want to overshadow Norwell because you guys were down 9-0 at halftime in that game. We were yep. able to come back at home and get a win. But then you had Leo come in in Week Nine and so exciting in DeKalb because you know when's the last time a game in Week Nine meant so much? And Leo comes in and takes care of business. So to come back one week later against a conference foe that you've seen already that's fired up it's a rival and winner goes home i mean for you guys to shake that leo loss off and come back and play as good as you did i think it was a testament to uh, to you sir why not yeah uh, you know i think it's a testament more to a lot of the kids because i mean they've come back a lot of times this year in tight and a lot of people don't realize the leo game was a seven point game going into the fourth quarter we come out in the third quarter and we take the entire third quarter on an offensive drive i mean they didn't touch the ball in the third quarter um, they come back and they score, and that forces you know, or it's you know, seven minutes to go, down fourteen, and we're throw, you know, we're forced to do some things that we're not you know normally great at, throwing the ball in two minute tempo, and that's not who we are as an identity of the program. Um, and then Peyton Wall obviously does what Peyton Wall did; he's you know one great ball player, and that score got a little lopsided. You know, he took that onside kick back, and he's just you know he's excellent, and I'm excited to see what they can do as uh, you know against uh, a great Northwood team because I don't I don't think that's a given for Northwood. I think Leo's a great ball club. Um, and then, you know, really coming back to, you know, Columbia City, uh, it's, you know, you never want to play a team twice uh, in any given year because it's even harder to beat them the second time. 
And, you know, Columbia City, we came in, and I think we, we played a really good game. Uh, the kids played hard. Uh, you know, we you know we, we didn't make as many self-inflicted mistakes as we've done in the past, especially the first game. I mean, we left 14 points to the board in the first. And, uh, you know, obviously we had some low snaps, but, you know, nothing that we couldn't handle or manage. And the kids played great. We pounded the ball the way we needed to pound the ball. And, you know, Evan, I think, was like 80% on the night. Uh, he, you know, hit his open routes. He had some great fourth downs. And uh, we did. We had to take care of business, and we did what we had to do. Coach Pete Kempf, DeKalb Barons, joining us here on the High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet. Coach, wanted to talk about a couple of your guys before we look ahead to Friday. And the one-two punch of Landon Miller and Tanner Jack at running back has been effective all season long. They've combined for over 1,600 yards rushing and 19 touchdowns. And uh, the, the I guess the, the there's nothing better than having one really good running back other than maybe having two really good running backs, and you definitely have it in Landon and Tanner. Absolutely. I think we have two of the best running backs in the conference, and if not, the best one-two punch in Northeast Indiana. Um, you know, they run, you know, land and run so hard, and they just, uh, you know, he gets up on field. I think he's averaging right under eight or over eight yards a carry this year behind our own line. You know, Tanner's about six and a half. Uh, you know, they're different backs, and they complement each other so well. And, you know, when one's banged up, the other one can step in and vice versa. And what a lot of people don't realize, too, is we do have a third back in the offense, and that's Curtis Martin. You know, he's our H-back, pullback type. You know, he catches, you know, one or two balls a game, gets one or two carries a game. But he just he pounds the rock, and he keeps – you know, he's a different style of running back, and he gets a couple carries every game. I think he had three carries against Columbia City for, like, almost 20 yards. And, you know, they just we, we have those guys in our program that are willing just to put their head down and play that old-school DeKalb football that made us so great for so long. And, you know, building that identity around guys like that in a, in a solid old line is what we want to do and what we've been able to do. And it's just been a pleasure to watch him play. Coach, everyone knows, you know, without an effective running game or at least, or an effective passing game or at least a passing game that can be a threat, mm-hmm. you know, teams can just stack the box against Landon and Tanner. And while Evan Eschbach hasn't put up electrifying numbers, he's been good enough to keep defenses honest. And I think Easton Rhodes is an underrated receiver for you. You know, he's not putting up gaudy mm-hmm. numbers, but he's making some big plays at big times. You mentioned Curtis Martin and Tanner Huff has also come up with a couple big plays. Uh, Evan Snyder in the passing game has caught some big balls. Yeah. So, uh, putting those guys in the equation in that offense really opens things up for those running backs. You know, you can't uh, you can't bat an eye at twelve hundred yards throwing in any given year. <laughs> yeah, right. It's still, it's still fourth in the conference, and I think you know, and you know when you when you average almost two hundred eighty yards a game in the ground and one hundred twenty passing, uh, hundred close to one hundred thirty passing. I mean, that's. I mean, it, it kind of overshadows what we've done through the air. You know, before we had, you know, guys like Wilp and Goble and Brunson and Boyce, you know, putting up these 100 to 200 yard games. And, and that's because we couldn't run the ball uh, as effectively as we do now. Um, you know, and last year we were, you know, we, you know, we didn't throw the ball effectively enough to be a, a contender in the conference. And this year that's been a big difference. Um, you know, we, we convert a lot of and longs this year. We are very effective in our passing game. And that's where we want to be. Um, you know, we haven't quite hit as many shots as we want. Um, we haven't really called them as much, but uh, we don't necessarily have to unless we, you know, need to. And uh, we're, we, we can be in a two-minute and a no-huddle. We have that ability if we need to. And even though it's not our bread and butter, uh, we have a lot of different opportunities and weapons within our program. I mean, we got, uh, you know, I think we have eight receivers that have caught balls this year or running backs that caught balls this year between those 1,200 yards. And, 
you know, we don't have any one guy that's going to come out and be like, we got to stop him because we have so many guys you have to focus on. Receivers are open because of type of play action and, you know, the different formations and, you know, the different routes, concepts that we're able to do. And Evan gives us a great opportunity. And I think a lot of people underestimate Evan's running ability, too. Um, you know, I think versus Columbia City at eight carries for like 80 yards. Um, you know, that's never been really a big part of his game up until this year, and he's gotten really good at it. And, you know, and he's able to read and do some things that, you know, aren't necessarily his forte, but he's more than effective in doing it, and that's what we asked him to do. And I think he, he's way up there. He's just, he's, I think he's just with Landon in all-purpose yards. So, you know, for us, we have a lot of offensive weapons, and uh, that carries over the defense as well, and we're thankful to have all those guys. Coach, Friday night you go to Kendallville, a team that uh, came to your place in East Snowball in Week 4, knocked you off 35-7. to What can you take from that game to then take into a Week 11 showdown here in the sectional semifinal? You know, I don't think anybody's picking us to win. Uh, we're 28-35 point dogs. Um, you know, I think East was obviously won. Um, their football team, they're well coached across the board. You know, it's hard to win in Kendallville. Um, when it comes down to is what our guys are willing to do. Uh, it's going to be a bar fight. Uh, we have nothing to lose, man. We have absolutely nothing to lose. And I do think a team that's got nothing to lose can be dangerous. Um, you know, I, like I said, no one gives us a shot. But we're going to continue to work our butts off. We're going to continue to do what we can do. And you just, you just never know what could happen on a Friday night. That's right. That's right. Coach, uh, win or lose on Friday, sensational year thus far. You've got eight dubs for the first time since 2002, so it's been a great year in DeKalb, and uh, we'll see if they can keep you guys can keep it going on Friday. Why not? Yeah, absolutely, and thank you for all the coverage this year, and you know, a lot of me to be on tonight. It's been a true pleasure to bring DeKalb, to be a part of having DeKalb back in the spotlight um, once again after so many years, and so thankful for the community that supports us and the young men that have worked their butts off. Uh, just to kind of get back to this point. We're excited for many years to come. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. We'll catch up to you later. Thank you very much. That's Coach Pete Kempf of the DeKal Barons joining us as the 8-2 and DeKal Barons head to East Noble to take on the Knights at 10-0 and on Friday night, 7 o'clock kickoff in the sectional semifinal of sectional 19. Again, the first matchup between those two teams was a 35-7 to win for East Noble at DeKalb. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Coach Doug Dine and Carol Chargers will join us. You are listening to the ESPN Coaches Show presented by Crumback Chevrolet on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back, everyone, to the Week 11 sectional semifinal edition of the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet. I'm Justin Kenny here with Caleb Hatch on a beautiful, wonderful Halloween night. Hopefully you guys are all being safe out there. Anybody listening to the car, taking the kids door to door? Um, I always remember cold Halloweens. I never remember warm Halloweens. I knew there were some, but I just, for some reason, the cold, dreary, rainy, windy Halloweens always stuck with me when i was a kid so uh it sucks out there i i understand but uh these are the ones you're going to remember especially taking your kids out too so uh enjoy it uh while you're out there we're here till seven o'clock talking area high school football thanks to coach pete kemp to cal barons joining us before the break we're going to move right along in the espn game of the week coming up right here on espn 1380 100.9 fm on friday night We'll be from Spoiler Stadium with the Carroll Chargers and Snyder Panthers, a rematch of a Week 2 game that was a 21-20 victory for the Snyder Panthers. The head coach of the Carroll Chargers is Doug Dynan. He joins us on the line right now. Coach, how are you? I'm good, Justin. 
I'm I'm a little concerned about your childhood memories, though. My <laughs> that's just the tip of the. Revive some positive <laughs> memories that you uh, that you had when you were Halloweening and trick or treating when you were a kid. So. I should I should probably go lay on a couch somewhere. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> to, to, to deal Absolutely. with some things. All right. Well, <laughs> good to be with you. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. I, I I assume you just gave the kids the uh, bye week off. I mean, I'm sure you guys didn't do a darn thing last week, right? Yeah. You know what? You know the the bye week is is sometimes it's it's difficult. You know your mindset that you're going to handle because you know it's time off. I mean we don't we don't generally have time off, and so we pretty much handled it as as routine and as normal as we could. You know we went Monday through Thursday last week, and and our schedule and our routine throughout the week was the same. And then we had Friday off as if it was a game night. And some of us went and watched some games and then uh, start back up this week as if it was a, a normal week. So, you know, it's kind of tough because you, you like to be in the routine. You like to be in that groove. You like to be in that, that daily grind. And, and when you have a Friday off, you, you hope that you don't get out of that, that routine and that, that same sense of, of urgency, you know, and hope that complacency doesn't, doesn't slip in. I know some teams were valuing that bye week uh, to get healthy um, in, in this, uh, you know, being in 5A, being in 6A, getting that uh, that week to rest up. Did you have some guys that were that were nicked up that was a much needed break, or have you guys been pretty healthy right now? Um, the about week eight, we probably had as many injuries as what we had all season long, and and we had to hold a couple of guys out, um, you know, that week, but. Uh, you know that was the Concordia week, and then pretty much after that, everybody came back, and so so we're we are at full strength right now, and we're we're completely healthy at this point. Coach, let's look back. It may f- feel kind of uh, ancient history, but Week Nine game, you you beat Wayne. And some people were surprised at the final score, but uh, two straight victories to end the year, uh, at least the regular season, six and three, had to feel pretty good with how your guys bounced back from that uh, Week Seven defeat against the rival Homestead. Yeah, without question, it's always uh, great to have a W, and and we're very pleased with the leadership that our our senior class has shown, and and the, the quality of work that that the kids have put together, and through nine weeks, and you know the the win against Wayne was a, was a tough win. Wayne's a good football team, and and many people don't realize that since they were you know struggling to to get a win throughout the conference, but it, it shows how tough the conference is, and. You know, and, and we're very pleased. You know, six and three is 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 nothing to you know squibble about. I mean, we're very pleased. You know, coming back, you know, from the previous season. But it all it all boils down to hard work, the investment in the lives of each other, and you know, the belief and in measuring the quality of your work and having competitive excellence every day. Coach, somebody that was very impressive the first time around when you played Snyder and his first real big test, I felt, was uh, Jeffrey Becker at quarterback. Uh, he's thrown for over 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns on the season, sophomore quarterback. How would you grade his growth, his development, his performance over the course of the regular season? I think without question he has you know, come to understand defenses you know, better, um, come to understand, obviously, the offense and 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 where to distribute the ball and, and who to get the ball to and reading different things within within the offense. You know, but probably more than anything is is, is his comfort level in the pocket. You know, he's understanding that, you know, I don't have to bail, I don't have to get out, I don't have to run every time that I feel a little bit of pressure. And and 
that maturing process, you know, continues, and it'll continue into next year and into his senior year. And you know, as we go through, and the more teams that he that he faces and defenses that he sees, and the more experience that he's get, you know, he's going to be a very good one. Coach, switching to the defensive side of the ball, I don't think we talk a lot about your defense, but it's made tremendous strides from last season to this season and even throughout this year as well. Guys like Matt Matt Ottenweller and Larry Seibel up front has been tremendous. I think the junior Craig McGinnis, too, has been great at times for you as well. So how would you grade your defense and some of those guys that have really stepped up for you? The defense has been outstanding all year long. They really have. Um, they play fast. They play physical. They play as a unit. Um, they, they celebrate together, you know. And it, it begins up front. It begins with the defensive line. It begins with you know guys like Wes Stevens and Larry Seibel, you know, and, and Murray and and all those guys that are playing on the defensive line. And the linebackers, you know, as you talked about, you got the Ottenweller brothers and, and Craig playing at linebacker. They do a tremendous job. You know, we like to blitz. You know, they do a nice job covering the under routes, um, tackling as well. And in the back five, you know, the secondary is creating turnovers and they play fast and they play, you know, as one unit. Um, you know, we're, we're very pleased. You know, they've, they've done a tremendous job of keeping teams out of the end zone, you know, and minimizing the number of yards that, that the opponent gets. So, you know, that's where it's about. I mean, if we can be, you know, good defensively, then we've got a chance to win games. Coach, I know uh, we've talked about it in the past. A lot of teams, they hit the field when they're playing Snyder and they look across the field and they're automatically intimidated, right? They're already two touchdowns down almost mentally because of the, the, the playing Snyder. You guys beat them last year soundly in the regular season. You guys hung with them week two. And a lot of people said, man, they were the better team, played better that night. So confidence is there. You guys can play Snyder. You guys can beat Snyder. So I think confidence-wise, you have to feel, I imagine, pretty good heading into to Friday night that, hey, we're not intimidated at all by playing the Snyder Panthers. No, I think that our, our kids do have a, a great deal of confidence, and confidence is something that's internal. You know, it has very little to do about your opponent. It has to, to do with belief, you know, with your opponent, with your, with your teammates, belief that, that you can do the job. And, and all of those are intrinsic. All of those are, are attributes that are internal. And, and that's where it begins. You know, the, the, the deal with playing Snyder is, is you've got to be fundamentally sound. Um, you've got to be physical because on the other side of the ball, they're going to be exactly that. You know, they're going to be good on offense. They're going to be good on defense. They're going to be good on special teams. And so it's not that you have to be perfect. It's you have to minimize your mistakes that are big plays within the games. You know, every game boils down to about four or five big plays, you know, and and you've got to win those four or five big plays. And the, the catch is you never know when that happens. And so you've got to be at your best every time, every snap, every down. And, you know, and that's where our kids believe that they can play. Coach, before I let you go, I want to ask you about a certain player, and this was the one I thought serious omission on all SAC first team that came out yesterday, and we won't throw any coaches under the bus or anything because I know it's a coach's vote, but Leighton Mitchell not making first team. He has 630 receiving yards, eight touchdowns. In your mind, is he an all SAC first teamer at wide receiver? Absolutely, without a question. And I, I'm not going to mince words or, or hide behind that at all. And and not take the high road and not make that stance because he leads the team in conference. I mean, leads the team in catches and leads the team in receptions and yards. I'm sorry. 
and and there's a kid that is very deserving you know but here's what he realizes here's what we realize that those individual accolades are insignificant what matters is the team's success and that's what we're looking forward to and you guys will look forward to uh, to getting some team success on Friday, 7 o'clock kickoff at Spooler Stadium, Snyder and Carroll. Coach, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Good luck on Friday. Thanks very much. That was Coach Doug Dine and Carroll Chargers joining us, talking some uh, 6A football as the Chargers look to knock off Snyder for the first time in the playoffs in school history. They're 0-4 against the Panthers all-time in the postseason. But, of course, the Carroll Chargers beat Snyder soundly in the regular season last year. They lost to him by just a single point this year. And I think while you don't want to lose that Week 2 game to Snyder in the manner that it happened with a blocked extra point really preventing the Carroll Chargers from tying the game in the fourth quarter, you can take the lesson out of that game and saying, look, every single play matters against the Snyder Panthers. It doesn't matter if it's in the first quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, if it's an extra point try, if it's a fourth and one, if it's a first and ten at your own 18. Every play matters. You need to execute every single play in all three facets to beat Snyder. I'm not saying Carroll was complacent last year in the in the postseason when they played Snyder, but what I am going to say is when you beat them with I want to say relative ease like you did in the regular season. It was a convincing win for Snyder last year when they were for Carroll when they beat Snyder 38 to 14 in week two. I think when you come around and play him in the postseason again, a lot of the a lot of the energy and the thought process that came out of 38 14 in week two and how you dominated Snyder makes you then naturally come back the second time around and feel like we're going to do it again. And instead, Snyder drops 49 on you, and you lose 49-30. to So I think the greater lesson of the regular season comes this year when you lose by one in heartbreaking fashion to Snyder at Spooler Stadium. I think there'll be a little bit more determination for Carroll after happening the Week 2 as opposed to maybe last year because of the dominant uh, win they had uh, last year. At, uh, at at Carroll when they beat Snyder 38-14. to We're going to take a break, come back. We'll wrap it up with Coach Josh Gerber, Norwell Knights. You are listening to the ESPN High School Coaches Show presented by Crumback Chevrolet on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back for the final time here on a Halloween edition of the ESPN High School Coaches Show presented by Crumback Chevrolet. I'm Justin Kenny here with Caleb Hatch producing. No D.C. Hendricks this evening, but... Uh, Caleb Hatch doing a bang-up job here as we are talking area high school football till the top of the hour. If you're out trick-or-treating this evening, be careful. If you're driving the kids around here in this miserable weather, be careful. Uh, a lot of great memories from uh, from Halloween's, um, like very much like this. It really felt like fall. So when it turned, it turned quickly around here. So uh, hopefully you're bundled up tonight. Um, doing some trick-or-treating. But thanks to Coach Doug Dynan before the break, talking some 6A football. We're going to uh, transition a little bit, talk some Norwell Knights football. They got a game coming up at Concordia in a sectional semifinal matchup coming up on Friday from Zellner Stadium. Head coach of the Norwell Knights is Josh Gerber. Coach, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Not bad, Coach. And uh, congratulations on the uh, win last week. You got a uh, convincing victory against conference foe Belmont, forty-nine to nothing. Now you move on, but uh, take us back last week in terms of this team getting a victory, uh, particularly after going to Columbia City, losing that game in uh, Week Nine. Had to feel obviously really good to uh, to knock off Belmont in the fashion that you did. 
Yeah, it did. Uh, and we've been kind of preaching to the kids all year that we're really close to being a good team. And and uh, we needed to practice well and clean up some of the stuff, um, mistakes and penalties and turnovers that have cost us in, in, the, in quite a few ball games this year. And kids, I think, really took it to heart. And uh, we had a great week of preparation. And it, and it showed last Friday night. I have to feel, Coach, that, uh, man, if – if you could put together four complete quarters in some of these games, you mentioned just be you know being on the cusp of a really good team. You almost beat Leo, obviously, in that epic three to two game. You were up nine zero at halftime at DeKalb on a game that I was at. Uh, that you guys looked really good all game long, but particularly that first half. So uh, you know Columbia City, another example, losing seventeen to fourteen. So you're kind of on the cusp, right? You're just you, you, if yeah. you could put together a full four quarters, you could be there, and I'm sure that's going to yeah. be a key this week. Yeah, we, we emphasized the guys. Uh, we were eight points away from being a 7-2 football team. And uh, and you go back and you look at the Leo game, the Cal game, and the Columbia City game, you can find turnovers and uh, and penalties and, and things that, you know, just really cost us. And a lot of it was self-inflicted. And not that those aren't good teams and not that they, you know, we're not trying to take anything away from them, but if we could uh, control the controllables a little bit better, uh, you know, we, maybe we have a whole lot better record. And, uh, you know, but... Uh, since uh, since we're kind of eliminated from the conference race, our focus has been on the second season and preparing for sectional play, and and uh, you know we we got off to a good start with that. So hopefully we can continue now and uh, keep playing these one uh, we call them one week seasons, and, and hopefully we can earn the right to play another one next week. Coach, your defense has been pretty darn good all season long. Allowed just ten points combined in the first four weeks of the year. Then you played New Haven and East Noble back to back, and then you've held the last four opponents underneath their season averages and points. Uh, break down this defense for us for uh, probably one of the better units in the area that doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of pub. Yeah, we're, you know we're an attacking, aggressive three-four style. Uh, Coach Matt Taylor brought that to us. Um, you know, he spent some time at uh, Columbia City, Huntington North, and, and at Homestead. And, you know, he brought that to us. We're real appreciative for it. Um, we've got some good guys up front. We're really happy with our front seven and with our, our secondary. Our secondary is young and inexperienced, but they've really grown this year. Uh, Eli Riley's kind of the, the captain back there and, and gets guys where they need to be. And Joel Rakenberger is kind of the heart and soul of the defense as an inside linebacker for us. And, you know, he was out sick yesterday. We missed him at practice. And you could tell a big difference when he wasn't there. There's just a. You know, just a leadership void, but um, you know that's you know having him back tonight was great, and we've got some good uh, some good young defensive linemen, and, and we brought back Kale Gray, a second team All Conference performer last year. Uh, so you know they're they're kind of uh, maybe unknown in the area, but great great group of kids, hardworking and uh, very aggressive and fun to watch. Coach, you mentioned Kale Gray, a senior, but a lot of those other guys you mentioned, juniors, Eli Riley, a junior, uh, Rinkenberger, a junior, a lot of juniors and sophomores on this varsity roster that have been that have been filling big roles for you. So obviously the focus is on Friday night in Concordia, but you have to feel, man, a lot of these guys that you needed to step up this year have done so, and they come back next year. Yeah, they have, you know they they have they do you know I mean you know just wait till next year. No, we want this year to be our year. <laughs> right, yeah. And we're working hard. You know, kind of like, why not us? Why not now? Why don't we Why don't we take that next step? Why don't we break through? And, and uh, you know, this Friday, we've, been, we've, you know, we've had opportunities this year to take that next step and to break through and, and to become a next-level team, and we haven't done it yet. We've knocked on the door. It's been really close, but, you know, one of these times we need to open a door and just break through it. And that's kind of been our emphasis. We've got another opportunity to do just that this week with, uh, with a trip up to Concordia. 
Yeah, Coach. I mean, I remember you know, 2014, this team had three wins and won a sectional. The year before, they had four wins and won a sectional. So, I mean, the precedent is there. I mean, just because you enter the postseason uh, with an under five record, under 500 record, doesn't mean any team can not win a sectional, particularly you guys, because the history is there recently. Yeah, um, and we feel like, you know, and we have, we're, you know, we're in a really good football league. Uh, all the teams we play are well coached, and uh, and and they're all really pretty good. You look at East Noble going nine and zero, Leo eight one, DeKalb seven and two, Columbia City was five and four, and you can go on and on down the list. And you know, we play good people week in and week out. And uh, unfortunately for us, we're one of the smaller teams in the league uh, between us and Belmont, and and. You know, we feel like the the conference play does a great job of preparing us for the tournament. And there's a difference between 3A and 4A football. I'm not saying that 3A football is not just good, but there's just a difference. And and uh, we feel like we're prepared to play well at the 3A level, and we'll see what we can do this week. Coach, you go to the Zollner Stadium coming up on Friday, 7 o'clock kickoff against the Cadets. Uh, what's the key to go to Fort Wayne and get a win? You know what? We've got to, uh, kind of like what we talked about in the games that we lost, we've got to control the controllables. We've got to eliminate silly penalties we've got to take care of the football we can't turn it over um defensively we can't give up big plays we got to make them drive the field and, and earn it and uh, they're an explosive big play offense we can't we can't let them do that to us and and uh, you know and we've got to finish drives in the end zone we told the kids one drive is going you know one score per quarter and then get us to 28 and we can win a lot of games to 28 points especially the way our defense plays so you know we've got our goal set and then we know how we want to attack them we just uh need and need to go out and do that now on Friday. Coach, I appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Good luck on uh, Friday trying to get win number six. Hey, thank you much. That's Coach Josh Gerber, Norwell Knights, joining us here as his team 5-5 five and five after a 49 to nothing victory over Belmont to kick off the postseason last Friday. And uh, that's going to do it for us. For uh, Thank you to uh, Coach Gerber for joining us, Doug Dynan of the Carroll Chargers, Pete Kemp, DeKalb Barons. And, of course, we kicked it off as we do each and every week with Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net. We'll be back next Thursday, 6 o'clock. We'll break down some sectional championship matchups. For Caleb Hatch, I'm Justin Kenny. You've been listening to the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumbach Chevrolet on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.